The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic to cosplay to Schitt's Creek to Supernatural and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this special episode of It's a Fandom Thing. If you happen to watch our live stream of our One Hit Wonders show a couple months ago, we had a mystery guest in our chat, and that was one of the most fun moments ever on one of our live streams because trying to guess who that guest was in the comments. And, well, Carla, my unofficial (laughs) co-host... As you know, she's on here all the time, figured it out that it was author Dean White. And I'm very, very excited to have him on the program with me today. He's written a fantastic novel that I really recommend everyone go out and read. It's Neo Chronicles Nexus season one. For a teenager like Nexus, having to deal with school, supernatural traits, and the hustle and bustle of 31st century living, life is hard enough. But when misfortune seems to meet him at every turn, it's no wonder he places the blame all on some devil, especially when that devil appears before him. And so, Dean White, I'm so honored to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on. So if you want to just give a little brief introduction and maybe a little bit of your background. Oh, yeah. Um, Thanks, Aaron. And um, definitely appreciate you having me on here. Like, this is (laughs) this is great. Like, um. I'll tell you, like, this was my very first novel that I've ever put out into the world as a publisher. I went the Amazon uh, self-publishing route. So um, everything from the time I hit submit has just been a wonderful ride. So um, even being on this interview is just so surreal, so surreal. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on. Seriously, it's it's an honor. And I really, really enjoyed reading the story. So um, it was very captivating. I love your style of writing. And also the fact that you have pictures of each character as well, or drawings of each character too. That's really, really interesting. So I know you've been working on this for a long time. So what was it that inspired you initially to write this story? So we're going to have to go all the way back to like, (laughs) pretty much back in, you know, middle school, high school, like I've always just been captivated by stories on TV, um, in comic books, anime, video games, like I've always been a fan of that. So, um, like, so when it came to the inspiration of doing my own thing, I was like, that's cool. But uh, what would it be like if I was in that, Uh, you know, just kind of little self inserts here and there, you know, just, that's just little kid stuff. But like, um, me and my friend, like at the time, and my say probably my best friend from dating all the way back to middle school and everything, a guy by the name of Mark Lanier. 
we were just, you know, bouncing stories off of each other. It's like, okay, like, um, say for instance, we'll just be in the cafeteria at, at lunch one day and just talking just out loud, like kind of sort of role playing, but just talking about the story as it happens. Like, okay, so um, Gohan here, you know, Gohan from DBZ, like he comes and asks you for your help. Uh, what do you do? And it's like, well, um, obviously I, I go help him. Like um, he needs my help. So yeah, so we just, you know, going back and forth, kind of like not even realizing that this was role playing, but just, just telling the story as it happens between the two of us. And then I mean, we kind of just stuck with that. Like he went on his path and, you know, wrote, wrote his stuff. And I went on my path and wrote my stuff. And it, we kind of always kept in touch with that. So, yeah, that's pretty much what started it all, I guess, as far as um, how it kind of developed. Uh, this is another funny tidbit to me, but like um, I eventually got into just going on to online forums. Uh, the biggest, probably the biggest one that had the biggest impact in my life was a uh, place called Gaia Online. I don't even know if anyone remembers that or even on there. It was just like an anime themed forum that had like flash games and all sorts of stuff. But I remember going to the role playing boards and just, you know, it's like, all right, let's make a, a, a Kingdom Hearts role play and everyone create the character, write out stuff like that as was very, very common at the time because, you know, we're all just kids, you know, just living our lives. There are a couple forums that just kind of like role playing forums that just kind of died, you know, for whatever reason, kids just, you know, people going their separate ways. So as it was sort of dwindling, I kind of just kept the role playing going, just like role playing with myself almost. And then something <laughs> dawned on me. It's like, wait, I think this is just called writing. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so, so yeah, like um, I really after making that realization, I just kind of went, went ahead with that. Like, yeah, I can write my own stories with my own people, my own worlds. Like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I love that, though. That's, you know, because that is kind of how it starts. I know when I was a little kid, we would put on like plays for everybody or we do like radio programs is what I would do dating myself completely, but <laughs> recording on, on tape and just like, you know, introduction stuff. So that's, that's really, I, I love that, especially that all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, I'm just writing. <laughs> that's what I'm doing right now. That's awesome. So the characters in this book, they have special traits, which sometimes people might call those like superpowers, like, you know, really speed and using fire and ice and et cetera, and a lots of different traits. So what inspired you to want to call them traits instead of going for superpowers? Kind of goes into like how I built the world. And this is also um, loosely inspired by the media I consume. I remember watching the Incredibles movie, one of my favorite movies of all time. And um, I remember this, this line from, um, you know, uh, Syndrome or uh, he just said, like, um, if everybody had superpowers, nobody would. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Like, if everyone had superpowers, it would just be a thing. So you wouldn't call them superpowers. They'd just be powers or just regular. And then eventually came, like, it took me a while to figure out, like, what thing to call it and just went with traits. So, so yeah, that's where that came from. Yeah, yeah. And that, that makes perfect sense. So each character has a different trait. And most of these characters are in high school, the ones that we're following right through the story. So how did you decide which character would get which trait? So kind of sort of a mix of asking my friends is like, hey, if I wrote a, a, a character and all this, like what kind of superpowers do you like and all that? And um, kind of just sort of evolved from there. Like um, some characters are loosely, loosely based off of some of the friends that we had. 
and um, some, you know, obviously completely original and all that. But um, yeah, just pretty much like that was one of my favorite things to do. Just like if you had a superpower, what would it be? And then, you know, just going down like the comic book Wikipedia pages and be like, oh, what are these superpowers and what do they do and all that? Like that, I kind of got nerdy about it. So incorporating that into the story, just part of it. So, yeah. Yeah. What trait would you want to have then? So my thing has always been energy base. Like mm-hmm. I've always wanted to be like shooting super shooting like a light based or energy blast from my hands and, you know, things along that nature. So um, usually something around that because it's kind of versatile. You know, you can, you know, I don't know, you can charge up like on DBZ or whatever. It's just like I like the energy type uh, traits, powers, (laughs) ability. Well, the book is set in the future, but the dialogue and issues are not like so different than what we're dealing with in the present. Um, And also, I wanted to ask you, uh, and if you can explain sort of how you came about with what the year is, because it's not like you're saying the year is 2130 or anything like that. It's a different sort of way that you're doing that. Um, So if you could talk about that and then also why you wanted to make sure that the future still maintained a lot of the same issues that we are dealing with today. Yeah. So um, on the year type, like um, in one of the earlier, like I start definitely the first couple of drafts of the story, like I just figured this story is just going to take a thousand, take place a thousand years into the future. So like around the time it was like 2005-ish or whatever. So I'm like, in the year 3000, all this is going to happen. And, um, but, you know, as I was writing and all that kind of stuff, just trying to get into world building and all that, I was coming up, like I pretty much came to the conclusion and, you know, also assisted by, from, you know, the research that I was reading, like a thousand years is a pretty far away time. It's like, we're probably going to have different calendars and probably have like a whole, like, I mean, you look back a thousand years to, to our past, like we're in like, I mean, like what are we we in 2022 right now that would just be 1022 so the world looked different uh history was recorded differently um uh, just like your basic writing was different so um coming up with the way that i represented like calendars and all that i just figured that it would have to be something that looked unique but i kind of had like a formula along with it whereas like loosely based on Roman numerals, but like kind of based around like what happened in the prehistory of it. So like basically there was like a dark age. So like the chronological time is basically incrementing from that and things before the dark age kind of gets represented in a different way. So, so that's where that came from. As far as the similarities to our time, there's another saying, you know, just in my head that uh, I had along the lines where it's like, the more things change, the more they also stay the same. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, like, yeah, things look different. Uh, a lot of way, different ways to do things. Like everyone has these traits, their superpowers that you can do things, technologies advanced to do all these different types of things. But when it comes down to people and how they interact and all that kind of stuff, like a lot of stuff just like it's a different take on it, but it's the same basis. So um, I kind of delve into a little bit of uh, race relations in there because, uh, you know, looking at the idea of Afrofuturism is kind of looking at sci-fi and fantasy through the black lens. So um, it, even though the details about how different race relations were formed, 
Like the fact that the fact of the matter is people will react kind of the same way. So it's just, that's just kind of where I was going with it. The more things change, the more they stay the same. So. Yeah. Which can be a sad thing. And then, you know, it, it depending on the, the situation, but yeah, that, that's what I was really, really struck with is when you're reading this novel, because it's set, as you said, a thousand years in the future, but everything, even like the dialogue and the way the characters interact with each other is very similar to today or even the past. And like, there's just certain things that are different, like, you know, flying cars basically and hoverboards and like the big screens that they're able to pull down and uh, mm -hmm. so little futuristic touches, but the fact that it also has some of the present day, I think it it kind of helps you get into the story easier because sometimes I think when people set stuff in the future, they go so far out of the realm of what we are used to that sometimes it can feel like, okay, so this isn't even related at all to what we're dealing with today yeah. that it could kind of take you out of the story. Mm -hmm. So while it's sad that things are the same in, in some respects, at the same time, it helps, I think, the um, the reader to get more involved in the story. So. And then the traits uh, have always been more in line with with people of color, especially black people. So, I mean, the way it was told in the story is that it sounds like black people were the first people to have traits, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so many white people throughout the story, especially those in authority, like cops, um, express jealousy and anger over this. And I think there also appears to be a desire for white people as usual, to want to appropriate this or take control. So did you set out to make an analogy to the way white people have always tried to appropriate things throughout history or the violence white people have perpetrated and continue to perpetrate? Yes and no. Like, I didn't necessarily set out to do it that way. But like, as I was writing, just more things kind of just clicked. And I'm like, because, like, you know, I'm basically basing this off of my lived experiences from here and there. And it was like, well, if this were happening and this kind of led to this, then, you know, based on what's already happened, that's would probably follow suit. So, and it also kind of goes into like the, the world that I was building. This particular book focuses on, you know, just basically those kids in high school, ultimately dealing with, you know, high school things. And then you eventually get into the fantastical elements of demons and all that kind of stuff. But the world itself has its own prehistory. So coming up with that, even just having it on hand, but without even directly referencing it or directly, you know, telling that story, like the characters, they know their history, the people in there, they know what happens and you know, they know what's going on in the world. So they'll make comments about it from here and there. And, you, you know, it'll be exposing, you know, certain characters, actions and inactions and sayings and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of just sort of not naturally progressed in that way as I was writing it. So, um, so yeah, that's, where we went with that yeah yeah and and I also think you know I, I think there is hypocrisy I've talked about it before on here with with white liberals especially where I think some people when they're white liberals they like to hide behind that and use it as an excuse that they never have any room to grow and well I'm liberal so and so yeah, I don't yeah, make any yeah. mistakes <laughs> I'm yep. open so, and were you also um, making a commentary on that? Because I kind of got the feeling it was in there, but I, I don't know if you were trying to make a comment on that or that was just what I Oh, said. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, <laughs> uh, she'll, 
there were a couple instances. In fact, definitely in like episode two where there was that big uh, show out in the classroom. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like I wanted to again try and make it realistic and based on what I've seen just through living and just kind of translate that into the book. In fact, I remember <laughs> this is kind of a funny thing, but like um. There was a scene with uh, two of the characters, Lynn and Darius. They were just going about talking everything and uh, just talking about like their upbringing and, you know, varying degrees of stuff that they got to go through. And um, Lynn, who was a white girl, kind of told Darius that um, in some ways I may be more oppressed than you or, you know, uh, you're you're more free to do whatever you want than I am. Knowing, Knowing well and good, you know, the actual race type relations that, you know, that was how she felt in that moment. Mm-hmm. And um, like, I remember writing that line and then like, maybe I'll say a few months later, probably a year later, like I found myself in that exact situation with a coworker <laughs> and uh, like, like uh, this guy, uh, he was a white guy. We were just out on, on travel or something and, you know, just talking, you know, not necessarily about work, just, you know, casual things. And um at work, I kind of dress up like, you know, I dress up with a tie and buttoned up shirt and everything. And, you know, everyone else is like kind of casual because we're in like a software type of so- software developing environment. So there's no need for me as a developer to dress up like I do, but I just do just because of that. So um, he was uh, pointing that out. And it's like, you know, uh, he mentions like, uh, yeah, you're kind of put together. You kind of do this all kind of stuff like that. And then he's just c- trying to compare himself to himself. And it's like, yeah, um, you know, I'm kind of you know, all like I am, not necessarily trying to apply myself as much as I see you apply yourself and all that. And it seems like, you know, from his perspective, it's like, it seems like you're going places and I'm not. So it's like, in some ways, you know, I'm more, or you're more uh, free to be who you are than I am, or I'm more oppressed than you and all that. And I'm like, and like, I, I really, <laughs> like, I was kind of done just like, not not necessarily in the fact that he said that, because, you know, again, that was his perspective but like I was stunned that he used those exact same words that I'd already written down so it's like yeah like that relatability and that um actual um just personality that like that's just there like Mm -hmm. I'll put it in the book because that is my experience Yeah, and I've I've seen that before. Like I remember it, it the classroom scene really was what all of a sudden, oh yeah, white liberalism right at work right here. Because it is that thing of like, oh, we are gonna try to help, but what I'm gonna do is I am gonna put I'm gonna put the the black woman on, you know, be like, you're gonna you're gonna explain this to all of the white people <laughs> about yeah. why what your lived experience is, and I'm gonna just point to you and put you in the spotlight whether you want to be or not right. um, so that, you know, and that'll make me look good when I think that to me seems like a, a microaggression for sure. But that, that scene really, that classroom scene just really, really stuck out to me, especially I thought it was interesting that you made that chapter or episode in the book from Lynn's point of view. So watching Lynn um, and reading from Lynn's point of view, who is white her reaction to this scene in the classroom was there a reason that you wanted to write that scene from her point of view yeah more because like the way i or structure the book is obviously each chapter or episode is told from that character's point of view so you definitely get like what they're feeling what they're going through and all that like i wanted 
like more than anything else, I wanted this book to be character driven. So um, having it told from her point of view, and she is one of the main characters of the book, definitely points to her motivations for what she does on her character arc or character journey, because that's how she sees everything. I mean, it, it obviously, you know, she eventually kind of sort of grows, but like she still stays true to that. So as you, you know, as you read the book more and more, you know, she's uh, pretty much just like, oh, you know, I got to learn this. I got to do this so I can, you know, save people or, you know, do whatever needs to be done for whatever uh, cause that she's trying to, you know, go for. Yeah. Uh, well, you, and you've mentioned Darius already because you do have a character in the story named Darius also goes by DJ and he expresses that he may be a romantic. This is an orientation. I mean, he does say for first someone says, are you asexual? And then he says, no, I might be a romantic. And so what was it about that? Why did you want to explore an orientation that is rarely ever if like I'm trying to think of even an instance when it is explored in media. I mean, usually it's just, you know, straight or gay and occasionally a bi character, but very yeah. rarely anything else. So, yeah, I mean, that that's pretty much uh, one of, again, setting up the world and even how that conversation kind of went. Like um, the way the conversation went, he's like, yeah, we kind of go through this in school and everything like I wanted it to be normalized in the sense that, you know, everyone knows about it. Everyone's, you know, more in tune with it. And she just, you know, just say that line and then move on. But um, the main reason why I chose a romanticism there and uh, even, you know, the ace, uh, ace spectrum in general was that is a very, very underrepresented rep uh, orientation. And um, growing up, like I kind of, like, I feel like I kind of am asexual or aromantic or, at least somewhere on that a spectrum myself, because again, just looking at the TV shows and uh, books and just media out there, like that was never, like I could never really see myself in those type of romanticized uh, roles where it's like, oh, you know, I'll do anything for this because of, you know, she's a one woman I love or he's a one guy I love and all that kind of stuff. Like I definitely appreciate it. And, you know, uh, but like it was never really exactly what felt like me. So I wanted to just put that in there just so, you know, it's there for people that may be, you know, questioning, not knowing, uh, you know, it, this even is a thing. Because um, learning just how diverse the um, asexual spectrum is, um, it's it's fascinating. Like, I, I feel like a lot more people would actually, you know, claim that label or claim that orientation if they knew just if they just had the vocabulary or addiction to even know how to describe it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I think, you know, especially if you are struggling with that and you're, you know, you're like, okay, I'm not really this. I don't relate to this. I don't identify with this orientation. This isn't me. What am I? And especially if you feel kind of like, you know, there's nowhere I can't see myself. I've never seen myself in media. I've never read anything that I relate to. So to be able to see that is... I think, you know, that that can help people in the long run. So I think it can help people go, oh, wait, this is what I relate to. Ah, yeah, that's who I am. And then to see yourself in a character that is a good, that is a good, well-rounded person and not like a villain of a story or that, that kind of thing, you know, I think is also very important. And so I just, I really appreciated that that was in there just because 
like I said, usually it's just gay, straight. Maybe we'll throw in a bi character and 99% of the time, that's not even a good representation, but we'll just throw yep, <laughs> you <yep>. know that. <laughs> yeah, it's so rare that you have good representation, not just representation, but good representation. There's a difference. Yeah. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Well, your story, while it is set in high school and it's dealing with a lot of pretty typical high school problems and teen problems, and it is set a thousand years in the future and you do have, everybody has their own special traits. Um, it is also dealing with, like you said, the fantastical. So you have like demons <laughs> and you talk about spirits and hell. What was it about that subject matter? Like, why did you want to put demons in there as opposed to some other fantastical element? Mostly just because I kind of wanted to fight monsters, really. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but again, as you know, I don't try like I try my best not to just do something just to do it. So as I was once I made the decision, like, yeah, the main bad guys here are going to be demons and all that kind of stuff. I started looking into like, you know, um, different types of mythological representations of it. Um, I kind of and as far as like the aesthetics of it. That was definitely inspired by um, Kingdom Hearts in a sense, because, you know, the demons are kind of represented as like shadow creatures or um, like uh, just smoke or uh, sludgy, something like that. And, you know, if you follow Kingdom Hearts, you'll probably draw some parallels to the Heartless. But um, as far as like um, what their impact on the story is, like that was another real big thing that I tried to plan out and think out because um end of the day you know demons are a threat they're trying trying to get you and all that kind of stuff but like how they do that isn't isn't as quite cut and dry as one would think so like even just looking at the book blurb of my book you know it's like um what if everything in your life was caused by a demon in some kind of way what would you do with that well looking at that beyond the surface Sure, a demon may set up a situation in uh, some sort of way or may, you know, connect to people that may or you know, just just whatever. But like how people react to that, how people, you know, try to, uh, you know, deal with it. Like that's kind of where the interesting stuff happens, I should say, because, um, yeah, demons are an existential threat. Demons are a main threat. Demons are the thing that the characters are ultimately trying to get. But as you read through the story, you know, you'll see just interpersonal relationships between, you know, uh, people just, you know, beefing or, um, you know, again, dealing with uh, uh, cops, racial relationships and all that. You know, there's a lot of personal things that are happening and um, you can see the influence that the demons have to try and, you know, urge that on because I, I try to make it a point to make it so that demons aren't the reason for all the calamity in the world, but they definitely do, you know, add on to it. Yeah. It's, it's like a catalyst. It's like something that kind of causes the next chain of, and can also bring out, like you said, 
uh, certain characteristics from people or, or, you know, kind of shine a light on how you react to certain situations or heighten kind of certain traits that you might have and um, and then maybe kind of shine a light on some, and I don't mean like the special traits in the book, but like, mm-hmm. just like certain traits that you might have personality wise or how you're going to react to certain stressful situations. And mm-hmm. you definitely see that like in the scene when, when Chris and Darius, when, when much get arrested and mm-hmm. they're taken and you see everybody's different reaction to being in that situation and to being in that, that cop car and. Um, and then the reaction of seeing like demons and seeing like shadowy figures because everybody's going to react to something like that differently. Right. And yeah. So I thought that was really interesting because it really brought out the characters a lot. So you already spoke a little bit about how anime did um, influence you or you loved anime. And I know you also have manga as a big inspiration for you as well. So did that inspire anything in this story? Yeah, I would say like it was probably the backbone of the inspiration because, again, going back to high school when the idea of this came out, it looked a lot different than, you know, this final product. Like I would honestly say it was probably a mixture cross between Dragon Ball Z and Kingdom Hearts and just, you know, plus demons on it. Like um, there were like, in fact... Like even the the title of it, Neo Chronicles. Like uh, Neo was one of my original characters, and the inspiration behind his name actually was not actually the Matrix. It was from um, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh of all things. Like I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and there was this uh, four-star spellcaster monster that was seventeen hundred attack, one thousand defense, and his name was Neo the Magic Swordsman. <laughs> so I'm like, hey that sounds cool. So I made a character named Neo and like from that kind of spawn, like the rest of this book almost. So, so yeah, anime is definitely a big, huge inspiration behind all of this. Again, just trying to put myself into this world or create a world where, you know, the things that I think are cool are involved. And um, so, yeah. 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 I figured, I mean, I was like, this is the easiest question. <laughs> like it's kind of like a duh, no brainer question, but <laughs> So each character, like I said, there's a drawing for each character. And that's also as you're going along and once you're getting to know the characters, you know whose point of view each episode will be from because you'll have a picture of the character uh, right mm-hmm. before that, right after the episode number. So did you outline the characters first and then do the drawings or did the or did vice versa? Did they inspire each other or how did that work? Yeah, it was kind of... They inspired each other. Like um, gr- growing up, I kind of dabbled into drawing, so I started drawing a little bit here and there, and then you know maybe coming up with a background. And then as the story would progress, I'm like, oh yeah, this character is this. So then I would go like after I introduce the character, I come up with a profile for them too, and then try and draw a little picture with them. So um, so yeah, it's probably definitely fifty fifty. Speaking of. Uh, Chris, Chris was probably the main focal character. So he kind of sort of came about like definitely the first character in this store. So he had his own character background, um, which kind of got revised and changed a bit too, but again, just part of the process. But, um, but I definitely drew him first. And then, you know, over the years, you know, as I'm developing this story, uh, you know, I hired um, just 
regular artists from Divin Art to commission to, you know, see like, oh, what would he look like with this art style and that art style? So, um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely, again, just character profiles, uh, character driven, uh, and the artwork was always lock and step with it. And to be honest, like the main reason behind that is because I do have kind of sort of a long-term goal with this. Like the book was actually the last plan because like in high school I said I'm gonna just make a video game and then as I started thinking about it coming up with stuff it's like yeah this is gonna take a while I'm gonna need a whole team and I'm gonna need money so I'll just I'll back up a little bit and say I'll just settle on making a tv show and I realized I ran into a couple of the same problems like need money need a cast need a crew and all that so then I decided like, all right, all right, I can make a comic book, a manga, like I, I can do a little bit of drawing. I, I already got the story going. So like, yeah, and I drew like the first five pages of it. And then I realized this is going to take forever. <laughs> like, and also my artwork is nowhere near what I want it to be. So let me just focus on just the story. And from there, like Neo Chronicles Nexus was ultimately born. <laughs> wow. Well, speaking of that then, do you visualize it then eventually becoming a television show or eventually even a video game or anything like that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like this is definitely just the first step in all of this. Like uh, my dream book, bucket list, whatever you want to call it. Like I definitely want to see this adapted in all forms of media. Like I want to see a comic book. I want to see a video game, TV show, movie, like all of that. And I mean, I also want a huge hand in all of it, too, because like I got a certain vision that I definitely want to like that was part of the reason why I included the character drawings in the book, because I, you know, obviously reading a book, you have your whole imagination to, you know, envision things like that. But as much as I like that, too, I wanted them to know this guy looks exactly like this. <laughs> so when movie casting comes up, make sure he looks like this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, I can tell. I mean, when you read it, you can tell, you can visualize it very easily um, to be on the screen, whether it be a small screen or big screen, you can visualize that. And not just because of the character drawings, but also because of your writing and your writing style. Uh, so it's very easy. Like I could picture the hallway in the school, I could picture the classroom, I could picture all that stuff like really quickly. And that's, not always easy to do. Sometimes you will read a book and you have, you're like, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> I can't visualize this at all. So really I applaud you for that because that is very rare and you can tell that you have a clear vision and you're not like dumbing it down. It's just very much, you're like, okay, this is the vision and people can just put themselves in that story right away. So good job on that. Definitely. So <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So I hope it happens soon that it becomes either a television show, a film, something. So because I could definitely see it. So as we said, each episode is told from a different character's point of view. And the writing style also changes, which I thought was just really a cool way to do it, too, because then you can really hear the character's voice. So was that really hard to do? Were there challenges that came up with doing that? Yeah, there were challenges. And like, honestly, I kept on debating, like in the early stages, I was debating if this was a good idea to begin with, because like all the, at least at the time, all the advice I was given is 
if you're because like one thing that I make sure was I include their dialects and their accents in the actual text. Mm-hmm. Everything I was reading said, don't ever do that. <laughs> like uh, they said, usually what you want to do is like, sure, if this person's introduced with a certain dialect, you can sort of, you know, add that to like their actual dialogue and, you know, like that. But then like the reader should just like instinctively know, okay, that's this person speaks with a Southern accent. So every time they speak, you know, they'll be reading proper English, but they'll see it in or hear it in the Southern act, Southern voice. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I understand that, but I want to do it anyway. So, so I was kind of nervous about the reaction and uh, reception to that. So I'm so glad to hear that you actually enjoyed that because um, uh, like that was, again, going back to like this book being very character driven, like I wanted every aspect of the character to shine through um, no matter what stage you're reading the book at. So um, keeping up with which accent goes, went with which character, like I was doing that in my head for a pretty good bit, but, you know, during like, uh, like, okay, I'll write like really much for a couple months and then have to take a break for here and then trying to go back to it. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I got to reread the previous chapters to make sure this lined up with this. And um, when I hired my editor, uh, Michael Dunn, uh, he proposed uh, coming up with just like a style sheet, like not necessarily a character profile, but just a style sheet mostly for his benefit, because as an editor, he's got to keep up with it too. But as I was writing that or creating that style sheet, I'm like, oh, this is, this helps me out. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it was, it was a challenge, but like, it was something I really, really wanted to have happen. So I'm glad it worked out that way. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And um, yeah, it's just glad all around. Yeah. Cause it was very different. I, I, don't think I've ever, ever read anything else that was like that. I mean, yes, I've read stuff where it switches characters' point of views and that that kind of stuff, but never where it switches so much of like, you are definitely in that character's world and seeing things from their point of view with the way everything is written. And I was like, that must have been just a lot to take on. <laughs> I was just like, I can't imagine doing that. Just that's That's a very impressive. And that's a totally different kind of writing style from anything I've ever seen. So, yeah, I was wondering if you had any kind of little like cheat sheet. So it sounds like you ended up creating one, especially for your editor, because, yeah, yeah, to keep up with that. Because I was there ever a time where you might have like started writing one character and like, oh, wait, that's not how this character talks and they kind (laughs) of bleed together. Yeah, kind of sort of, especially when I was first introducing it, because like, again, I kind of eased into it because everyone's saying don't do it. And then when I finally did that, I'm like, all right, we're doing this all the way. And I'm like, oh, wait, I introduced that character speaking like this, but let me make sure everything lines up. So um, so a lot of good editing uh, in post-production, you could say, and went into making it the way it is. Yeah. And it helps with it being, it helps uh, get the characters across more and helps um, design the characters more and create them more in, in the reader's head, I think, too, because this is such a character-driven story, like you've said a couple of times. And I think those are the best stories, honestly, when uh, character is primary there because all the action, I think, becomes more important mm-hmm. um, and becomes heightened because you're so involved in these characters and it is their journey. So, Right. Yeah. Uh, so we did talk about how you have been working on this for a long time, well over a decade. So were there times when you were like, I can't do this anymore? And if so, what kept you going? What kept you motivated to keep doing it? 
it's kind of interesting. I would kind of say that because, you know, we all have our daily lives, you know, go to work, uh, go to school, whatever. Like I've always I guess the life I've always envisioned myself having is one where, you know, I didn't have to work, did, you know, just leisure, all that kind of stuff. Like so um, because I didn't have that life right then. Uh, I'm like, okay, just do what we need to do to get to the next stage in life, next stage in life. Having this story, this writing uh, to sort of go back to or escape to or uh, even work towards because like I'm big, I'm big on being goal oriented in that sense. So having this be my main goal, like that was the thing. It's like, okay, I can go to work and then come back because I know in the future this is going to turn into, you know, video game, TV show, whatever, because that's my goal. So I would say that this like working on this story kept my personal life, work life and all that just, you know, centered on, you know, just getting through the day. So it it, it, it probably helped me out more than it didn't. You know, it's never really a point where it's like, oh, I'm tired. I, I'm done with this. You know, this like there were definitely plenty of times where I was like, OK, I'm, I'm going to put this aside for now and then go, you know, but like I always coming back to it, just always enhance whatever I was going through in life or whatever. Yeah. Cause art can do that. I mean, it can be something that can help you be like, okay, I can make it through the next day if I have this, or I have this outlet to express myself. So if I feel like I'm, you know, it's, it sounds like that's what happened for you. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, and I'm sure you did because you were writing this for a long time, but did you learn anything about yourself while writing this? Oh yeah. Plenty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, um, I'll say one of the interesting things is, again, like, I'm super big on character-driven stuff. So, like, as I was writing this, like, I started noticing myself pay more attention to just people around me. Like, okay, um, if someone has, like, whatever, like, a negative reaction, you know, out there screaming or whatever, just having a, a spit or a tantrum or whatever, my thought wouldn't be like, oh, no, dismiss that. It would be like, okay, well, what's driving that? Obviously, something's wrong. Obviously, something has gone, you know, horribly awry for this person, you know. So it made me more in touch with trying to be empathetic to other people to see what motivates them, what drives them more so, so I could just add that realistic uh, aspect to this book. Because, again, people are dynamic people are unique people all go through whatever they need to go through to get to the next day so like I wanted to make sure this book kind of had that sort of relatability and realism to it so in doing that like I just made it a point to pay attention to the world around me mm-hmm. yeah and I know um when I was reading a little bit of your bio on on Amazon because you did say that you really wanted to be able to have people that didn't normally see themselves in stories like this or you know normally in stories it might be just you know a white cisgender person that's in these stories and so I know you said it's important for people to see themselves and so I think that kind of even goes to what you're saying there of um so did that was that kind of did that also help inspire then the story to keep going when you'd be like oh I this person should be able to see themselves yeah yeah I would say absolutely wholeheartedly yeah well, I know this is just, this is part one. So do you have, like, have you mapped out any like future sequels to this or anything like that? Do you already have that going? Oh yeah. So, um, so 
in writing this for like over a decade and all that kind of stuff, like I've always been come up with the outline, come up with like the, the idea and then flesh it out as I put, you know, pen to pad, you know, or hands to keyboard or whatever. So um, like as far as where the story goes, like I got that mapped out. But the fun part about writing is like even though I have it planned out and where I like the endpoints where I get to, like I may completely diverge as I, you know, flesh it out because <laughs> uh, there were definitely a couple of moments where it's like, okay, well, this is exactly how I want this part one to end. And then I decided to just completely change direction just because it's like, okay, well, what if this happened? Or this character seems to react in a, like in my mind, it's like this character seems to want to do this. So let's go there and see where that goes. So I've got it mapped out definitely as far as like Neo Chronicles Nexus goes, but as far as like the Neo Chronicles, I guess, brand or universe goes, like there's, there's plenty of other places I want to explore too. Like, um, you know, Nexus being more of a fantastic, uh, spiritual demon magic based story. Um, I have, uh, things in the work for like a sci-fi space opera. I have things in the work for like, uh, just coming up with like the the background story of the the universe that we're in, um, uh, stories of exploring other characters that kind of just got introduced. So so yeah, there's there's plenty of things in store. So uh, if you enjoyed this, you will definitely uh, have a lot of things to look forward to. Awesome. Well, I that's that's great to hear. Seriously, this is and I really really enjoyed this story, and I just want to make sure that people know where they can find this as well. So is it just on Amazon? So is it just available on Amazon then, since I know you self-published there, correct? Yeah, as of now, it's just on Amazon. Like I'm looking into, you know, putting it elsewhere too. But um, again, part of this uh, journey is learning as I go. So um, there's all sorts of resources out there to help me learn and all that kind of stuff. But um, but yeah, right now it's only on Amazon, but you can get it in uh, Kindle, paperback and hardcover. And I'm also looking at seeing about um, getting it in an audio book too. Um, that's one of the exciting things I'm looking forward to because I got like a, a vision in mind for that. But um, but yeah, uh, Amazon right now. So Awesome. And then I'm just curious then if you do the, and I don't know if you can talk about it, but if you do the audio book, are you going to have, like, are you going to do some of the audio work or do you, are you going to have like different people do each character or how do you like like I went back and forth on that, but I did ultimately settle on uh, getting different people because I just, I kind of feel like that's like prepping me for eventually directing my uh, TV show debut where I hire actors and directors and all that kind of stuff. So um, we're going to try and uh, go with that approach. So definitely more to come with that. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, if you want to tell everybody where they can find you and if there's anything else you want to plug as well or anything else you want to add, feel free to do that. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, my author name is D.N. White II. So, you know, the second D.N. White II, however you want to say it. So um, uh, on Facebook, you can find me there. Got an author page. Um, and on Instagram, I have an author page too. I'm thinking about making an author page on Twitter too, just to, you know, complete that brand and uh, see where that, uh, that goes. But um, D-N-White-I-I on Facebook and Instagram right now. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again for being on. I really, really enjoyed talking to you and I hope that you had fun as well. So thank you so much. And like I said, I really enjoyed reading this, so I highly recommend it. Um, I think even, I do want to add, I think even if this is, might not be your genre of choice, quote unquote, you know, if you're not as into uh, sci-fi or or stuff like that, 
I still think this isn't just sci-fi. This is so character-driven that I think even if that's not necessarily your genre of choice, I think you will still enjoy it because the characters are so richly explored and richly written that I think you will be able to relate to it. Even if you're like way out of high school, like some people, not me, I'm just a few. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So thank you so much. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. It was lovely being here Uh, again, like this whole experience has been surreal and, you know, thank you for being a part of this. Like I, love like i love it's a fandom thing like that's like this this podcast is you know definitely one of my favorites so um so being on it has been a pleasure and a privilege so thank you well thank you very much for saying that i i really really appreciate it so thank you thank you and this is Erin. you can follow me on twitter at e april beauty the e and the a and the b are capitalized be sure to like the show on facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod, no it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you would like to be a potential interview guest, feel free to reach out to the show at It's a Fandom Thing Pod at gmail.com. And on our next episode, and we already recorded this, we are going to be talking about the show Insecure. And I have on that panel Carla. Jen, my podcast brain twin, and Megan. It was a great, great discussion, a lot of fun. And I've been trying to keep to that two-hour episode limit, and it's just not happening. (laughs) 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 The main episodes, that one was like two hours, two two and a half hours, but I think I'll be able to narrow it down a little bit. But that's a great, it's a great conversation and, of course, a great panel. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter, and Stop Asian Hate. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.